Good. Someone's good at the front. Well done, Matt. Thank you for that. Brilliant. Hopefully everyone else is as well. I want to start off this evening by thinking a little bit about social media. Hands up if you love social media. Hands up if you hate social media. Okay. Do you know the morning service? I think there were more haters than lovers there. Hands up if you use it. Who uses social media? But yeah, yeah. Hands up if no, I'll never go, never go near it. Okay, a couple of us. Okay, it's a bit of a bit of a mixed crowd. One of the things that um, I've come across more and more and more on social media, especially recently, it's normally it's normally celebrities that do this, but everyone is um, guilty of. Well, people can be guilty of it in different ways. Something that happens on social media, especially Twitter, is what is called the humble brag. Has anyone come across that before? The humble brag. Do we know what I'm talking about? Okay, I'm going to give you some examples of what I mean by the humble brag that happens on social media. I think these will come up on the slides as well. Have we got that? Okay, so these are the kind of things people say to, to give a bit of a humble brag. Are we ready? Have you got it, Steve? Maybe a second slide on my PowerPoint. Oh, we will come to that. That's the Bible, but it better. Um, we'll get there. We'll get there. Don't worry. I'll read them out if, if not. Here we go. Okay. This is the kind of thing that you might get. <clears throat> it's so annoying to have to go on holiday to the Caribbean again. Now that we bought the villa, it would be insane not to go back there, but it's getting so old. You're so lucky if you don't have a second home. It's such a headache. Okay. Humble brag, right? I heard that. <laughs> we get the point. The humble brag. Okay. Here's another one. Just in case you think all of this has gone to my head, within 36 hours of winning the Oscar, I was black home plunging the clogged toilet. Again, it's a bit of a humble brag. You're wanting to show off, but you're doing it in a roundabout way. Third one. Here we go, another one. I just ordered a book on potty training, and guess what? Timmy potty trained himself before it even arrived. What a waste of 15 pounds. There goes 15 pounds down the drain. Such a shame, isn't it? So humble brags, it's a way of showing off, but basically dressing it up as a complaint or a bit of false humility. Yeah, we see that happen quite a lot on, um, on the internet, on social media. Um, and it's a bit annoying, isn't it? Because we'd rather people just come out and boast, say, my son probably trained himself, or I'm going on holiday to the Caribbean, or I just won an Oscar. Just, just come out and say it rather than dressing it up as something else. But we all do this in different ways, don't we? We all show off about something or another, and we might do it through just boasting, coming out and boasting. We might do it through a roundabout way um, like this, these examples. We might do it by putting our amazing photos up of where we've been on holiday or what delicious avocado we've just eaten on toast. I don't know why that's always um, up on social media. It seems maybe it's just my friends. I don't know about you. Um, we show off in different ways. Maybe we happen to slip into conversation that we've just had a pay rise or we've just, um, we've got too many friends. They won't all fit in our house. Whatever it is, we, we all love to show off and it makes us feel good about ourselves, doesn't it? Um, and we all have the potential to be a bit vain. And, and I think social media makes that even easier than normal. But it is a human characteristic. It's common. It's always happened. And there's, ex there's evidence of this in the Bible passage we're going to come to in a second. But what I want us to focus on today is the fact that although that is part of human nature, we have to be really careful. 
Because Jesus says in the passage we're about to come to that this is dangerous stuff. If we're showing off, if we're trying to impress other people. Because we don't just do it in our everyday lives. We can do it in our spiritual lives too. We can show off about how much money we give to charity, how um, often we read the Bible, how well we know the Bible, how good we are at praying, how early we get up to do our prayer times, um, just how good a person we are in general, we can find any opportunity to uh, try and win respect, um, admiration, respect, whatever it is, uh, recognition from other people. But we need to be careful. And that's what Jesus is talking about. And we're going to look at Matthew uh, chapter 6, starting at verse 1, um, and look at what Jesus says about this kind of stuff. It's going to come up on the slides as well. Jesus says, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honoured by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. They love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep babbling like the pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them. Your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. We've heard this already this evening. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive others when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive you your sins. And when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others that they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. And when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Okay, so what's Jesus saying here? I think what he's actually saying, well, the nub of this whole passage is, it's quite a long passage, is that even when it comes to supposedly good spiritual practices, things that we believe we should do as Christians, as followers of Jesus, things like charity, prayer, fasting, we can do all of those things um, boasting. We can show off when we do all of those things. We can be like a humble bragger when we do all of those things. Jesus uses the word hypocrite three times in this passage to describe those who do the supposedly good, right thing, but for the wrong reasons. And we need to check our motives when we act, when we do what we do. 
Why are we doing these things? Are we trying to gain social credit? Are we trying to look good in front of our friends? Are we just desperate for the recognition, the admiration of people around us? Are we wanting people to think, gosh, that person is so good, they're so holy, they're so giving, they're so kind, they're so servant-hearted, they're so whatever. And actually, we're doing it for other people's recognition and not for God's. And the way that we check what our motives are is we think about what the goal is. What is the goal of that action? What is that got the goal of your generosity, your patience, whatever it is? Are we seeking the reward of God? Are we seeking the reward of other people? If it's other people, we get the reward straight away, pretty much. We get the like. We get the comment, oh my gosh, you're amazing. We get the um, someone saying something kind about us to someone else, pretty much immediately. If that's the reward we want, we get it instantly. People think good things about us. But actually... If it's the reward of God that we want, and Jesus does say several times in this passage that God will reward us, then it looks a bit different. It looks possibly like you're not going to get a reward at the moment because that reward is slow in coming. It doesn't happen today. It does with our friends, possibly. It doesn't necessarily with God. It might not even happen tomorrow. But the Bible is full of promises that the reward that is laid up for us is the crown of righteousness. It is being with God forever in an amazing relationship with God in a place where there is no mourning, there is no sickness, there is no death, there is no illness. That is a better reward than a like, right? That is a better reward than a friend saying a kind thing on Facebook. That is a better reward than even um, just people thinking that you're quite a good person. That's what we should be aiming for. But the problem is we're human beings and we live in a world where we can't really um, see further forward than the next few moments. And there's a really good example of this um, in what psychologists uh, uh, developed in the last 50 years uh, is a test called the marshmallow test. Has anyone ever heard of this test, the marshmallow test? Okay, so what happens in the marshmallow test is um, you get a kid, probably about four or five years old, and you give them a plate and you put a marshmallow on the plate. And that's probably their reaction, right? And then you say to that child... You can eat this marshmallow if you want, but I'm going to go out of the room, and in about 10 minutes' time, I'm going to come back, and if you haven't eaten that marshmallow, I'll give you another marshmallow, and you'll have two marshmallows to eat. But if you have eaten it, that's it. That's the only marshmallow you're going to get. And what then happens, and you can watch some really funny videos of this on YouTube if, you're, if you've got time, if you want to, um, is you'll see these children squirming because they cannot control themselves. The sugar, that, um, just that sweet deliciousness that's right in front of them. Some of them will lick the marshmallow, they will smell it, they'll take a tiny little bite out of it and think that doesn't count. All because they can't cope with waiting uh, for the idea that there might be another marshmallow. They want what is in front of them there and then. And we can be like that too, can't we? We can be so tempted by the reward that is in front of us here and now. Other people thinking we're brilliant. Other people just being like, wow, I love that person. They're amazing. They're so whatever it is. That we forget 
about the fact that God has a better, a bigger reward in store for us. But we have to sacrifice that short-term reward if we want the reward that God wants to give us. And that's what Jesus is talking about in this passage. That's what Jesus is talking about. And actually, he's, he's commanding us. He's saying, we shouldn't be aiming at that reward. That's not God's way. We need to make sure we're doing the right things for the right reasons, not for those short-term rewards, but because God, our Heavenly Father, wants to give us good gifts. And it's about our hearts. It's about what's going on inside. That's the whole of the Sermon on the Mount, actually, is about not just doing the right things, but having the right heart, the right attitude, the right motivation when we do the things we do. So we're going to look at these three practices that Jesus talks about in this passage in turn. So we're going to look at giving, at prayer, at fasting. Now, to give us a bit of context, in Jesus' day, lots of poor people, lots of people who basically would die if the community didn't provide for them because there was no social security, there were no social services, anything like that. And the Old Testament law commanded that people must give to the poor. It was your duty. But clearly, in Jesus' time, there were people who, whether they had literal trumpets or symbolically had trumpets, were making a big song and dance about their giving. They were showing off. They were drawing attention to themselves when they gave to those in need. Jesus teaches something different. He says, we should not let the left hand know what the right hand is doing. I think that's a metaphorical term, because if you're writing out a check or whatever you're doing, it might be quite difficult to do that one-handed. I don't know. But the point is, we should be doing these things in secret. We shouldn't be aiming for the rewards that other people might give us. We shouldn't be trying to impress people, but God. And after all, why do we have stuff to give? We have stuff to give, we have money to give, because God has given us money. God has given us everything that we have. So actually, we're not really impressing anyone when we're just giving back what God has already given to us anyway. It's our duty. It's what we should be doing. And Jesus says that. He doesn't say, if you give to the poor, and he's talking specifically about the poor here, not the church, not the synagogue, not whatever, giving to the poor. He's saying not if, but when you give to the poor. And that goes for us today as well. So the challenge for us today might be, am I giving to the poor? I should be. I shouldn't be doing it publicly, but I should be giving to the poor. And actually, because, um, because of what God has given us, we should be responding with generosity. And we shouldn't be doing it in a self-conscious way to make us look better, We should be doing it to become more like Jesus. So that's the first point, giving. Secondly, Jesus talks about prayer. And again, in Jesus' day, prayer was a complex matter. People had prayers for every occasion. They developed a complex way of saying a prayer for this, that, and the other, um, for for any and every uh, event or life um, situation that you would be facing, there was a prayer. And it was a formality for many people. You did it to show off. You did it to look good. You did it to keep up the appearance of being a devout person. 
So there were Jewish people doing that, but there were also pagans at the time. And what pagans, um, the pagan practice at the time, was that you would need to pray just the right prayer, in just the right tone, in using just the right words, to convince the gods, who weren't very nice, a lot of them, to do kind things for you. And it was kind of like a magic spell. As long as you got the spell just right and you used, and if it didn't work, you'd have to try again with longer and longer words and more and more elaborate ways of praying. Then the gods would uh, begrudgingly act and do something kind on your behalf. That's what prayer for pagans looked like. But again, Jesus teaches something different. He says, when you pray, it's not about impressing people because You don't need to worry about them. This is between you and God. And God doesn't need convincing to help you. God doesn't need convincing to love you. God is your father. God loves you. God is for you. And maybe that's a message we need to hear this evening. God loves you. God is for you. God doesn't need convincing. The world is messed up and it is broken and it is not how God would have it be. That's why we pray your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. But God doesn't need convincing to show you love. God already loves you. So when you pray, pray simply, pray from the heart, pray with integrity and authenticity because that's how God, how Jesus would have us pray. If you want to use long words, if you want to show off, if you want to make a spectacle in prayer, you can do that. You're a hypocrite. People might think you're amazing. You're a hypocrite. God doesn't care about that. God cares about our hearts. God wants us to pray to him as a heavenly father who knows us, who loves us, who wants a relationship with us. So let's check our motivations when we pray. Because for some of us, We might be really used to praying. Uh, We pray out loud, happily. We pray publicly, happily. We do an hour of our prayer time in the morning, and other people know that, oh, that person, they're good at praying. We know what a theologically sound prayer looks like, and we can criticize other people's prayers, maybe silently. We're thinking, that's not very biblical, the way that person's prayed. Some of us might do that. Others of us might be the opposite. We might be thinking, I don't, I don't, know how to pray, what words do you use, I might get it wrong, I might mess up, I haven't prayed for a long time, I'm too busy to pray. Actually, not, neither of those positions is right. God said, uh, Jesus says to us, we should be praying, not if, when you pray. Pray like this, pray from the heart. It doesn't matter about all of those external things. That's not what matters to God. What matters to God is us building a relationship with our heavenly Father. So let's focus on that. And finally, I'm going to look at fasting. Now, for many of us, this might seem like a really archaic, out-of-date thing to talk about. In Jesus' time, it was a regular practice. People fasted at least once a year. If you were super religious, you would fast